Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come Celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Rick Martinez, and I'm a cookbook author, video host, and I'm always on Do Not Disturb. I'm Carla Lolly Music. I'm also a cookbook author, video host, and I'm a night person. And this is Borderline Salty, the show where we take your calls, boost your confidence, and make you a better, smarter, happier cook. Today, we'll discuss fish sauce, the perfect burger, and speak to a very special guest for Total Kitchen Nightmare. The queen of pasta herself, Missy Robbins. But before we get into all that, Rick, tell me something good. That is Mexican coffee. (laughs) There he is. (laughs) I was traveling, this is probably about two years ago, I was traveling to a town called uh, Querétaro, and I always look for good coffee shops wherever I go. And I came across this tiny little coffee shop, and the uh, the owner, uh, Mauricio, he roasted his own coffee. And so... We totally hit it off. He's like, he's just like really chill, kind of a stoner. And if you ride your bike to his coffee shop, he gives you a discount. Amazing. There's just like such a cool little experience. And Mauricio and I became really good friends. And I told him that I was going to travel the country researching my book. And he said, well, when you start traveling around in the uh, the southern and the eastern part of the country, let me know and I'll hook you up with some coffee farmers. And I was like, oh my God. So I get into Veracruz, which is on the Gulf Coast, and I uh, hit him up. And he, sure enough, he hooks me up with like these amazing producers that not only grow coffee, but vanilla beans and cinnamon and allspice mm. and mandarins. And like I'm walking through this farm and I'm like, this is the most magical place. Like all of my favorite things grow here. Wow. And so once the uh, the pandemic hit and I couldn't, I couldn't travel around anymore. Everybody in New York was saying, there's a major coffee shortage. You need to, like, buy as much coffee as you possibly can before it locks down in Mexico. And I was like, oh, my God. So I texted Mauricio, and I was like, I need 10 kilos of coffee right now. And, um, yeah, so 10 kilos showed up, and 
actually, I, I was hooked. And ever since that moment, I only buy coffee from Mauricio. Wow. This amazing roaster in Querétaro. That's so cool. And you're a Chemex guy, right? 100% love Chemex. 100% Chemex every day. And do you put anything in it? Nope, just black. No. And and actually, I, so when I message Mauricio and I tell him that I need more coffee. I'm just like, send me whatever is good. And so he'll just send me like 250 grams of eight different varieties of coffee. And it just makes me happy. So every cup is a little bit different. Shout out Mauricio. Yay. So Carla, you tell me something good. Well, this week I achieved a major goal of the year. I think I mentioned, oh, Jesus motherfucker. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I think I mentioned Jesus mother. Yeah, I think I remember that. Mm -hmm. This is why AirPods just fall out of my ears. Okay. So this week, actually, I achieved a major goal of 2022. I don't believe in resolutions, but in January, I had two goals. I don't remember what the first one was, (laughs) so I probably haven't done it. But the second one was I wanted to deadlift 200 pounds, which had been a goal for a while. But I was like, this is this is it. We're going to do this. And on Tuesday, I deadlifted 200 pounds. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) It was really awesome. Like, what's awesome about it, and I've been doing strength training for a few years, and what I've learned from it is there's the physical strength, but it has also taught me like very real mental strength because some days you can do it and some days you can't. And then a different day you can do it and another day you can't. And it just doesn't mean you're weak when you can't do it. It just means like you couldn't do it that day, but like you can do it a different day. Right. So it's been like a really awesome, unexpected like upside of lifting weights has been just feeling stronger in other in other ways. However, nothing can compare to the sheer like thrill of just p- lifting that much weight up off the floor. It was awesome. Well, you're absolutely glowing right now. <laughs> Thank you. Like, I don't know if that's a new filter or the fact that you just power lifted 200 pounds. That's amazing. It's time for questions. (laughs) Let us now get into caller questions. Hey, Carla and Rick. My name is Orient. I have a question about chocolate recipes. Like, what do you do to add depth of flavor for chocolatey things? Sauces, cakes, cookies, anything like that. Okay. Rapid fire chocolate. How do you make it more chocolatey? I add coffee. Uh, combine two kinds of chocolate. Biloncillo. Salt. Molasses. Cocoa powder and cocoa solids. Chili. Adobo. Apple cider vinegar. What? You crazy. Really? Yeah. Because of sour and bitter? Yeah. Chocolate is a little bit acidic already, mm-hmm. but if you're making a cake that can like take a little bit more of a bump, I think it's really good. Um, quality chocolate, I mean. Obviously, yeah. Dark chocolate. 100% chocolate. Ooh. <laughs> oh, black cocoa powder. Yeah. Do you ever put chocolate in chili? Um, I haven't. I mean, I've obviously put it in moles and like more typical Mexican sauces, but that's an interesting idea. 
Yeah, my mom always makes a beef chili that has some unsweetened cocoa in it. Wait, unsweetened cocoa powder? Or? Yeah, cocoa powder. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Also, yeah, I think whenever you are testing recipes, you want to stick with one variable. Because otherwise, if you change five things, you're not going to know which thing made the difference. Also, the more things you change, the less likely it's going to be that you're going to achieve like a really positive result. And I also think, depending on you know what your chocolatey recipe is, if it's a cake or a cookie, you want to stay away from liquidy things. So instead of adding liquid coffee, then you know actually a little bit of espresso powder or instant espresso granules mm-hmm. add a lot of flavor without the liquid because the liquid will will change your your chemical formula for the perfect cookie or cake. Yeah, I think we gave a lot of like chocolate ideas of combining chocolates, percentages of chocolates, types of quality of chocolate, and then some flavor enhancers like the salt, the chili, the cider vinegar. So maybe like one from each column and not like three different flavor enhancers with two of the chocolate ideas. Borderline Salty, you've reached us during working hours. Hey, uh, I'm Mike. Whenever I make a burger, it's wet. It drifts like crazy. I feel like I've tried a lot of stuff, you know, hard sears, long resting times, different fat percentages in the mixture. Some turn out better than others, but I seem to always end up with like a tablespoon of this like gray meat oil sludge on my plate when I'm done. I don't understand how the fast food industry serves like a million burgers a day, but I can't manage a perfect one. I need your help. <laughs> oh, wet burgers. <laughs> I think the key phrase for me was gray meat oil sludge. Yeah, that sounded really delicious. Um, <laughs> so you used to work for Shake Shack. So tell me about gray wet burger oil sludge. <laughs> See, the fir- at first when he said wet burger, it's like, you don't want a dry burger, right? So if dry is the opposite of wet, then I would take the wet burger over the dry burger. Right. But I think there's something different between the good kind of juicy burger grease that like is kind of dripping into the bun or dripping into your wrist when you're having a burger, which is, I think, desirable. And what he's talking about, which is it's the sludge part that sounds different. And the sludge makes me think of coagulated protein, like the stuff that oozes out the side. Yeah, I think that's what he is referring to. And I also think that potentially he's not giving enough rest time for the burger because it sounds like all the juices are coming out. It sounds like he's doing a hard sear, which is good. And maybe he's going a little too hard. He's overcooking. And then with all the carryover heat, the sludge is happening. Yeah. If he's trying to cook them well done, then that's just what's going to happen. You're going to just cook all the juice out of the burger. Mm -hmm. But I also think that he might be poking or pressing. Like one personal pet peeve of mine, I hate it when people press burgers. Mm. And I'm not talking about smash, because smash, obviously, you need to smash it. But like while it's on the grill or the griddle and people are like there poking it with the spatula or like pushing it down, it's like you're pushing all the juices out, right? So just leave it alone. Like, yeah. you flip it once, you don't poke it, you don't push it, you don't press it, just let it go. Yeah. So I think that that also might be contributing to the sludge effect. <laughs> and one other tip I would give him is like, for things that are thin and quick cooking, 
you need to maximize the browning on one side. So just like go all in, like exactly what you said, put it down, press it, season it, let it go. And then don't try to get that same sear on the second side. It's never going to happen, A. And B, you're going to overcook the burger. So I think he just needs to like max out color and caramelization on one side. And that will leave it juicy. Like the proteins are going to tighten anyway. And if you continue pressing on them, like they're going to press them all the way out. Yeah. And this is another one of those rare, I think, or rare-ish occasions where high heat is necessary. Yeah. You need high heat. You need a big surface area. So whether that's the biggest skillet you own or a big griddle or a flat top, because you don't want things close together or they'll steam. That'll also contribute to your, your gray sludge. You give your burgers space and give them really crazy heat. Okay, wet burgers forever. I know what I'm calling my fast food restaurant. (laughs) (laughs) Wet burger. (laughs) I'd like a number three, (laughs) two wet burgers, an order of fries, and a chocolate shake, please. I'll take the same, but with wet onion on top. (laughs) Extra soggy, please. Line two, you're on. Fish sauce. That's scary and salty. (laughs) That is the best question ever. Wait, is it even a question? It's just a statement. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is true. Well, maybe the scary part I don't agree with, but yeah, fish sauce is salty. Salty, yeah. Yeah, fish sauce is not a sauce that you put on fish, although it can be part of a sauce that you put on fish, but it's at its most elemental, this is a condiment, a sauce made from usually anchovies, a single type of fish, anchovies and salt, which are left to ferment. And then the liquid that they create is really the base of the sauce plus water. So when you're shopping for fish sauce, it is important to look on the label. And if you see more than those ingredients, the fish, the salt, and the water, it could be an indication of a not as high quality fish sauce. So I would start there, buy the best one, that you can. And fish sauce is strongly flavored. It's salty. It's pungent. A lot of deep, savory flavors. It definitely has some fishy notes, but no one's going to tell you to just take a shot to the face either. (laughs) That's true. I mean, it's a lot like other concentrated elements like vanilla extract or molasses or Worcestershire sauce, right? If you took a big gulp of any of those things, you may not be very happy with the result. Yeah. And yet, when you make a cake with vanilla or when you put the Worcestershire in a barbecue sauce or when you put molasses in a cookie, there's something that is so incredibly delicious about it. And without those ingredients, it would be very flat and it would be almost unpleasant. Right. So I think it it is one of those ingredients that you kind of have to work your way into finding the balance that's right for you. Yeah, and fish sauce, I think, freaks people out who haven't had it because of the name or the idea that it is fermented fish somehow. But it's like any other fermented sauce, like any other pickle. That's how this like deep, deep, rich, and amazing transformative flavors come from. So even like the most elemental Vietnamese sauce, Nguoc Cham, which is fish sauce, water, lime juice, sugar, all of those ingredients are there for a reason. Like the lime juice, the sourness is balancing out the saltiness and the sweetness is balancing out the funk and the sharpness. And then you end up at this thing that is like 
more delicious than the sum of its parts. So I also really love using fish sauce at the end of like meaty braises. It just adds, especially with lamb, I just think lamb and anchovy is such a classic flavor combo, but like a beautiful lamb braise that you finish with a few drops of fish sauce in addition to some vinegar, it just really adds this roundness and mystery and like it's a little bit like what people say about anchovies like you won't know it's in the dish but you'll miss it if it's gone completely and once you develop that understanding of how to use it and the deep love of it i mean then you can go all the way to making a fish sauce caramel do you mm, do you remember yes. oh my god i did those the fried uh, Brussels sprouts with the fish sauce caramel. Yes. And for wings, you can make um, oh, chicken yes. wings in a fish sauce caramel or crab fat caramel. Oh, my God. It just, it's a, a very assertive flavor that pairs well with other assertive elements. And it just brings out the best in those things. And so I use it quite often in many, many dishes. Yeah. The joy of food is like tasting and discovering these other flavors that that you haven't brought into your cooking yet. And that is like an amazing and magical thing when you get to taste something you haven't had before. Like lean into it. This is this is a good thing. Right. It's gonna change your cooking. Yeah. Give it a try. Borderline salty, Carla speaking. Hey, it's Alyssa. My biggest pet peeve is when I'm in the kitchen, especially if I just got my nails done, my nails end up chipping. How do you keep your nails from chipping when you're cooking, washing everything, all of that? Like, how do you stop your nails from chipping and keep your manicure on point? I need tips, please. Gel, one million percent. Yeah, switching to gel manicures is the reason I can wear any... I didn't wear polish for like 10 years. It was fine. But then they like invented gel manicures and they're indestructible. Completely. I typically get my nails re-gelled once every two weeks. And I'm cooking constantly. I'm shooting all the time. I also dig in the garden and play with my plants. And uh, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) no problems whatsoever. It's time for our next segment, Total Kitchen Nightmare. Dun, dun, dun. In this segment, we're bringing in our friends and culinary heroes to share their kitchen disasters. And this week, we are speaking to the one and only Missy Robbins. It's hard to imagine Missy's ever had a bad day at work because she is the chef owner of two Michelin-starred and always-packed restaurants here in Brooklyn, Missy and Lilia. She's also the co-author of the gorgeous cookbook, Pasta, which came out this past fall. In 2018, she won the James Beard Award for Best Chef in New York City and completely deserved it and was also awarded Esquire's Chef of the Year. Most importantly, she created the dish of my dreams, the pink peppercorn malfadini at Lilia. Mm. I dream of them. Oh my God. I do love the Agnolotti though. I mean... I think we should just go back and order one of everything on the menu. I mean, if you're comparing heaven to like heaven to heaven, it's all heavenly. It's all shades of heaven. When do they open? Five o'clock? Be there. We'll get a spot at the counter. Hi. Hello. Hi, Missy. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing so well. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. You look very official. Well, I am... (laughs) 
<laughs> in a new apartment with no art on the wall and I have no furniture, so I have my computer on a coffee table at a very weird angle. There's like a Amazing. lot of weird shit going on here. <laughs> <laughs> you look like um, you look ready to podcast. Well, I also have nowhere to put the microphone except my hand, so I'm ready to podcast. Rick, where where are you? I'm in Mazatlan, Mexico, on the west coast. Okay, well, that sounds nicer than where where we are. It is very beautiful here. I'm like a few steps away from the beach, so incredibly happy about that. I'd give up. I'd give up pasta to live in Mexico. I think. I mean, I don't think you should really have to make that choice, especially now with your book. You can have both: live by the beach and eat pasta, and that's right. Which is such a beautiful and incredibly informative book. It makes me actually think that I could roll out fresh pasta, and it would come out as perfectly as yours does. You thank you so much, and you can, and it is incredible to see people on social posting what they've made. And it goes to, you know, my co-writer Talia and my editor Lorena really hammered this terrible chef (laughs) um, for better recipes and more concise instructions and more concise measurements. And there was a lot of tears Mm -hmm. and fighting. And now I'm so happy because I look at the people posting stuff and I'm like, oh my God, the recipes actually work. Isn't that the most gratifying thing? Well, today we're actually here to talk about what happens when things do go wrong, because not every day in the kitchen is a a joy and a pleasure and a success. You know, mistakes, accidents, catastrophes, this is just part of the journey. Even though it seems as though you are infallible, we believe that at some point in your long, amazing career, that something might have happened. That at some point there was a kitchen disaster. Yeah, I mean there have been there have been many, but the the one like my favorite one, and I come back to the story a lot, teaching young cooks, talking about like when I was a young cook, I was twenty six about, and I was working at a restaurant that's unfortunately now gone called March. Um, that was an awesome townhouse on the mm-hmm. on the east side. Wayne Nish was the chef it formed my knowledge of of fine dining. So I had been an extern there right out of cooking school and he didn't have any positions open for me when I finished. So I ended up going to work for a woman named Anne Rosenzweig who had Arcadia at the time and then soon opened Lobster Club. Mm -hmm. And after two years, Wayne had a position and he called and he said, I know you've always wanted to come back. I have a position. Will you come back? So I started working there and... It was just like so proud. And my time with Anne was amazing. She she was an incredible mentor, a very tough mentor, but a, an incredible mentor. And Wayne and Anne were doing some charity event together. And Wayne thought it would be really nice to bring me. So I had both my mentors there. Cute. And I was like, okay. So Wayne had this signature. I didn't know anything. I was like tw- literally like a <laughs> third, second, third year line cook. And I was like kind of a little shit. And (laughs) so it was me and the sous chef and one other guy. Sous chef was also like kind of a casual dude. And I I mean, I'm going to say he kind of screwed me. So Wayne had this signature dish. It was grapefruit. It was a dessert and it was grapefruit macerated in sugar and coriander. It was like pretty Mm. simple, but it was delicious. And I was in charge of like making it and you took the juice and you added sugar and blah, blah, blah. And we were in, I don't remember where it was. It was like something like the Yale club or, or one of those mm-hmm. like clubby places. And 
I was in this foreign kitchen and I was a stupid young cook and I went to take the, the sugar and I didn't taste it to make sure. Um, and I macerated all the grapefruit in salt. Oh, <laughs> oh God. This was not for a four-person dinner. This was 150 people oh of grapefruit. God. Already like supremed, segmented, juiced. And I was like horrified. And I was like, oh my God, what do I do? Like I had this whole internal conversation with myself. And I went to the sous chef. I said, Charlie, I said, I, I screwed up. Like, what do I do? And he goes, he tasted and he's like, ah, I don't actually think Wayne will really notice. And I'm like, because I like added sugar once I figured it out and I like tried to like balance it. And then we went and got new grapefruit juice. And I was like, you know, thought I was going to have this big moment of like doing this event. You know, it was one of my first events and with both the people that I worked for and who were so important to date in my, in my career. And Wayne walked in as chefs do, you know, four minutes before service. Exactly. And this guy, Charlie, was like, I mean, I'll never forget this. He was like, Wayne, I'll never notice. And I almost think he did it on purpose to like, screw me. And yeah, yeah. Wayne took one bite of the grapefruit pre-service and was like, huh, this tastes a little salty. And I was mortified. And I like, I think we ended up serving it. But I I was telling the story to one of my sous chefs right before I left to come do this. And, and I was like, to this day, I don't pick up a container of a white, substance without without <laughs> tasting it first. I'm like terrified. I'm like, is that salt? Is it sugar? Do I, am, I, I can't mess this up. Am I going to salt my pasta water with sugar instead of salt? Oh, I mean, they look oh, pretty wow. different by the way, but as a young cook in a foreign kitchen, that's not your own and you don't really know where anything is, you, it's an easy mistake to make, but that's, that's probably my, that's my biggest one ever. Yeah. That, a big teaching moment for me. I think this is a classic one because I, I actually had a boyfriend, and I'm sure he's not listening. He was a terrible boyfriend, but he he tried. And there was one year for my birthday, he tried to make me a cake. And then um, I took a bite of it, and he had done the exact same thing, but never never realized it. So we didn't date for that much longer after that. Sounds like <laughs> probably not. <laughs> Sounds like definitely not. For everyone listening, if you have mistaken your salt for your sugar, don't worry. You, too, can become a Michelin-starred <laughs> chef one day. There's That's hope. right. That's right. <laughs> the road to success is paved with mistakes well handled, right? Is that the saying? Also, always taste your white powder. <laughs> <laughs> of course. One last question. If you were writing the short story version of this tale... What headline would you give it? <laughs> I mean, he just he just said it. Taste your white powder. <laughs> Taste your white powder. Uh, before you head out, please let our listeners know, Missy, where can people find you? You can find me at Lilia and Missy in Brooklyn, Williamsburg, and you can find me at Missy A. Robbins on Instagram. Thank you so much for being here. It was such an amazing pleasure. Thank you, guys. Bye, guys. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, 
You can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Shimon Yai, and I have a new podcast called The Competition. Every year, 50 high school senior girls compete in a massive scholarship competition. I wouldn't say I have an ego problem, but I'm extremely competitive. All of the competitors are used to being the best and the brightest, and they're all vying for a huge cash prize. This will probably be the most intense that you've ever gone through in your life. I remember that feeling because I was one of them. I lost, but now I'm coming back as a judge and also a kind of teen girl anthropologist. Because if you want to understand what it's like to be a young woman in America today, the competition's not a bad place to start. Hopefully no one will die on stage tonight. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery, this is The Competition. Follow The Competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. I'm Bobby Finger. And I'm Lindsay Weber. And I want to tell you about a podcast I think you're going to love. Who Weekly is a podcast about everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. Does celebrity news stress you out? Are there too many people you've literally never heard of? Check out Who Weekly, a podcast hosted by Lindsay Weber and me, Bobby Finger. Each episode goes deep into the biggest Who Liberty stories of the moment. And if you're still confused, we even have a weekly call-in episode where we'll answer the most burning listener queries. Who Weekly airs twice weekly with brand new episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays. Listen and follow Who Weekly on the Odyssey app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Before we go, it's time for, you guessed it, Rad Fad or Bad Fad. Okay, Rick, let me tell you about what I saw this week. So today is day 17 and a half of my ramen challenge, and I'm reattempting the ramen grilled cheese sandwich. My one goal is to not burn it. I buttered up the red and put it on my skillet, which is just above ultra low heat. Cheese, cheese, and more cheese. Also, to help with my impatience, I decided to cook the noodles while the bread was toasting, which I guess could have also backfired if I wasn't paying attention. I obsessively checked on the bread to make sure everything was going okay, added the sauce and cheese packet to the noodles, and then checked on the bread again. And I think the heat was too low, so I turned it up a tad bit. I also decided to add the noodles at this point. Flipped one piece onto the other and then increased the heat just a little more since there was no color yet. I checked and flipped this thing so many times because I was so scared, but each time it just looked better and better. And Whoa. eventually it got the color and crust I oh, wanted to, so I took it off what? the heat. And voila, a non-burnt spicy noodle grilled cheese sandwich. Oh my god. Wow. What <laughs> even is that? You didn't see that coming, did you? No. And I I felt like I just rode a roller coaster. I started off thinking, <laughs> okay, ramen grilled cheese, no, bad fad. And right. then by the end, I'm like, I want to eat that. So it's a palindrome of bread, <laughs> ooey cheese, <laughs> spicy ramen in the middle, spicy cheese, crispy bread. That's a pretty crazy stack. <laughs> Can we just also talk about the way that she placed the ramen on the sandwich. It was so incredibly sexy, like completely pornographic. And I think that's what sold me. 
I was very mm-hmm. much in the, I was actually preparing my speech after this was over thinking, okay, I am opposed to carb on carb sandwiches. Okay. And then I saw that and I was like, okay, well, maybe I should give this a shot. And then at the end when she's got that beautiful, crispy, deep golden brown, crunchy exterior and then the yeah. ooey gooey cheese melting into the nooks and crannies of the ramen, I was like, good God, I need that in my life. So if you didn't have the crust, I think it would be like a mush pile. It would be a mush pile. But, I mean, I'm just imagining all of those flavors and textures and the goo and the crunch and the brown butter and the wow. ramen and, oh, uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Could you God. see I'm yourself so, making this one? I do, and I'm angry. Like, I'm really angry at this. Like, I wanted to not like this. In fact, I was even thinking, oh, she put a lid on the grilled cheese sandwich. It's going to get soggy and dumb and blah. And then I was like, eh, I need this. Like, Literally a lifetime of roller coaster emotions in 15 seconds. It was insane. Wow. Okay. Well, I think I know the answer, but I would like you to weigh in and tell us officially is ramen grilled cheese a rad fad or a bad fad? We definitely started in the bad fad camp, but then quickly accelerated like a rocket streaming into <laughs> Flavor Town. Rad fad. Radical fadical. <laughs> and that's it for this week's episode of Borderline Salty. You can find recipes and recommendations from this week's episode in our show notes. If you have a question or a fear you want us to help you through, you can always leave us a voicemail at 833-433-FOOD. That number is 833-433-3663. Borderline Salty is an original production by Pineapple Street Studios. We're your hosts. I'm Rick Martinez. I'm Carla Lolly Music. You can find links to our work in the show notes for this episode. Natalie Brennan is our lead producer. Janelle Anderson is our producer. Our managing producer is Agarenish Ashagre. Our assistant producer is Maria Roscoe. Our head of sound and engineering is Raj Makija. Mixing and engineering by Davy Sumner and Jason Richards. Our assistant engineers are Sharon Bardalis and Jade Brooks. Original music from our very own Raj Makija. Additional music from Vincent Vega, Spring Gang, and Glovebox, courtesy of Epidemic Sound. Legal services for Pineapple Street are provided by Bianca Grimshaw at Granderson Desrochers. Our executive producers are Max Linsky and Jenna Weiss-Berman. We appreciate Orient, Mike, Alyssa, and our anonymous fish sauce listener for calling in this week. And thanks to you for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Until then. Adios. Happy trails to you. Until (laughs) Until we we meet meet again. again.